Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Uh, This morning, Paul and Shane are going to come and minister a special song of Christmas to us today. today. So thank you guys for helping us out. And uh, y'all make them uh, feel welcome as they come and sing for us this morning. Jesus the Christ
Awesome. Praise God. Thank you guys for uh, helping me this morning, or helping us uh, appreciate them. You guys did a great job uh, ministering to us this morning. Hey, we're in a, uh, our third week on our series called The uh, Presence of Christmas, talking about Christmas presence, the presence of God, not just the presence we receive. And I want to take a survey this morning. How many of you live with someone or you have someone close to you that you would say they are hard to shop for? Feel free to raise your hand, point your finger, whatever. Someone in your life that is hard, I mean, like, what do you get for them? Megan says, I'm hard to shop for. I don't understand. I mean, I've never had any problem finding what I like when I go to the store. I've, I've bought very few things that when I got home, I thought, I don't want this. I mean, I don't understand why she thinks I'm hard to shop for, but maybe, maybe you have that problem. Or maybe, have you ever tried to buy a gift for someone who is very affluent? Like, they're blessed enough that you figure if they want it, they've already bought it. And shopping for them can kind of be hard. And so as we celebrate Christmas, Christmas, we say it all the time, the reason for the season is Jesus. So I hope at some point you've asked the question, you've at least had the thought, what would I give, what should I do to honor Him this season? I mean, we've thought, I'm sure you've thought long and hard about what to buy a spouse, a friend, a child, a grandchild, but have we given any thought as to what Jesus would ask of us, our desire of us this Christmas season? You know, in Malachi, in chapter 6, uh, the prophet Malachi, he actually asked the question, he said, what should I bring before the Lord? I mean, should I give him, uh, what, should I give him an offering? Should I give him uh, some sort of, of, of a gift like a calf or, or, or something they had in those, those seasons? But I, I hope this morning we've all been given the greatest present of all, and that is the presence of God. I believe, I believe there should be a response of that giving of Jesus to us, by us giving ourselves to Him, which by definition is simply worship. Today's message title is Come and Worship, and I hope, I hope that when you see that title on the screen or on your notes this morning, I hope that when you see Come and Worship, I hope your mind doesn't go to the first 30 minutes of a church service. I hope it doesn't go to just one day a week or two days a week, depending on how often you find yourself in the house of God. I hope it doesn't go to something that involves music or other people, because friends, I believe that worship is what we do from the moment our eyes wake up in the morning until we lay our heads to bed at night. Our whole life is a life of worship. Every single morning, His mercies are brand new to us, and our worship to God is what we do with those brand new mercies today. Do we hog them and hoard them, or do we reflect them to Him and give Him worship? This morning, we're looking at Matthew chapter 2. We're looking at the birth of Jesus and the events around His birth. And, uh, of course, there's a little, bit of, a little bit of debate on exactly how close did this activity we're going to read about happen to His birth. Was He... Uh, you know, exactly where was he, how old he was. 
uh, this the coming of the wise men to give gifts to Jesus, to worship him, uh, was the key words that they described their activities. So let's look at it together. Matthew chapter 2 says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, wrote and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come out of you who is to be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared, and he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. And after this interview, the wise men went their way, and a star and the star that appeared in the east guided them to Bethlehem and went ahead of them, and it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures, uh, their treasure chest, and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when the time, uh, when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream to not return to Herod. Let's pray. Father, I love you, and I thank you for every person within the sound of my voice, whether in the room this morning, watching online, or perhaps listening to a podcast weeks from now. My prayer is the same for all of us, that the Word of God would work in us this morning. So we just say, God, work. Work in me, work through me. Anoint my words to be the words of God alone, not just the voice of a man. Help our ears, our hearts, and our minds to be open to hear what the Spirit of God would say to us today so that we can truly come and worship you and take full advantage of the presence that's in us and among us at this season. And we'll give you thanks. I'm in the room said, amen. So the coming of the wise man, the wise men, I should say, was not just a... It was not just a nice part of the story. The appearance of these men who have traveled uh, for weeks, perhaps even months, some believe, they're not just showing up to bring a trinket. They're not just, they didn't just hear that someday you would have a nativity scene in your yard and they wanted to be famous and they want to be in your yard, so therefore they got on their camels and they came. That's not, they're not just here because they wanted to be part of a story or a headline. They came because they were convinced that Jesus was the king of the Jews. And so the only way, the only appropriate, appropriate way to declare that we believe, Jesus, that you are the king is to treat him like a king. Well, how do I treat a king like a king? Well, you give him the gifts fit for a king. You give him the welcome that's walk, that, is, that is fit for a king. You give him the gifts. You give him the worship that is due to a king. You give him the loyalty that is due 
to a king. And you see these wise men, all of these things, and everything they did when they showed up, when they said, we have come to worship him, they were not talking about just a few moments where they opened their treasure chest. Their entire journey from the east to where they were, going through Herod, all of those things was an act of them declaring, we believe Jesus is the king. Friend of mine, can I tell you today, everything we do in our life is a moment of us to worship and declare that we believe Jesus is the king. When you go to work on Monday, our activity should declare, we believe Jesus is the king. When I conduct myself in my home, I am telling my kids the way I treat my wife and the way I treat them, that I believe Jesus is the king. My worship is not about a song I sing. It is my whole entire life declaring that I am not the king, you are not the king, but he is the king. That's what worship is about. It's declaring the king is here. What does Christmas declare? The king is here. The king is here. A baby born in a manger was the king. It was declaring the king is here. These wise men showing up was declaring the king is here. And though he lived that, that perfect life and died a sacrificial death and was buried, but he rose on the third day, I want to tell you in 2022, the king is still here. And he's still wanting to know who will declare and who will worship him. See, Christmas is not really celebrated until we understand this unique opportunity it brings to declare he's the king and to worship him. These wise men were on a solo mission. They talked about their solo, their solo mission. They said, we've come to worship him. I suspect that the next seven days of your life are about to be busy. You've got shopping to do, you've got people to see, you've got things to do. But can I tell you, our solo mission should be the same as theirs. To come and worship Him. To come and worship Him. So I want to I just answer a question this morning. How can our lives declare that He is King? That's what the wise men, their whole journey, everything they said... Everything they did, everything they gave, everything they, they, they even their leaving, they showed, showed loyalty to Jesus above loyalty to the other king in town. Everything they did was declaring that we're going to worship him and we're going to declare that he is the king. How can our lives declare the same thing? How can our lives truly declare that we've come to worship him? Not just come to church. But God has put us on planet earth because we've come to planet earth to worship him, to bring glory and honor to him. A few ways I think we can do that. Number one, we have to worship Jesus above all. We have to seek the king Jesus above all other kings. And I know that even when I say that, I feel like I am, I, I, I feel like I might be in fear I might be in danger of being out of touch because we don't use the 
we don't use the terminology king and queens and our lords. We don't use that terminology very much in our Monday through Saturday event. We talk about a lot when it comes to church. We recognize that God is the king. But, but, but these men, they came to worship Jesus above all other kings. And I want to tell you, in order for them to worship the king Jesus, they first had to walk past some lesser kings. Can you imagine how awkward... It was to have a caravan full of treasures, a crowd of people. You've traveled miles and miles and miles to worship the king. And you're ushered into a private interview with Herod. And, they, and he said something along the lines of, you're looking for a king, here I am. And someone has to break the news and tell him, actually this stuff isn't for you. Is for a different king, a greater king, a king that is among you but isn't you. Did you know that when you decide to worship the king, it automatically becomes and instantly becomes a threat to all lesser kingdoms? And you may say, well, pastor, we live in America. I mean, there are no other kingdoms. I mean, we're, we have religious freedom. We can worship the king, and there's no one's going to get on our case for worshiping. And I would beg to differ greatly. Because some of the greatest lesser kingdoms that our worship has to press through is not the kingdoms of this world. It's the kingdoms of our heart. It's the kings that we have to dethrone within our heart and within our mind. To worship Him. See, your worship of the Lord Jesus will always bring an assault to lesser kingdoms. They had to walk by lesser kings to worship Jesus. And we'll have to do the same. We're going we're gonna to have to say, you know what, Jesus, your kingdom, it supersedes my own desires. Your kingdom, it supersedes what, what I would like, how I would like things to be, how I thought things would be. Your kingdom will supersede any idea that any plans that I had made. Listen, I believe that the government that threatens our worship of the Lord Jesus Christ most is not the government that is under the rule of a king or a president or, or a prime minister that has a flag that's different than, than the American flag. I believe the kingdom that is most threatening to stop your worship, the Lord Jesus Christ does not sit in a white house or any other palace on planet earth, but it is a kingdom, it's a throne that we set up in our own mind, and our own hearts that we have to some say, sometimes say, King Greg, I gotta walk past you to worship Jesus. In 1 Samuel chapter 5, there's a an occasion that I love. I love this story in the Word of God. It's not a glorious day for the people of God. People of God are failing. I mean, they're, they're not just falling. Things are out of alignment in the house of God. It seems like God's glory is diminished. And the ark of God is stolen from an invading army, and they take it to their temple in Ashdod, and they place it in the same temple as their god, Dagon. You know this story? And they bring the temple, or they bring the ark of God that represents God's kingdom, His authority, His power, 
and they place it in front of their god, Dagon. And they lock it up and they leave the temple and they come back in the next morning. What has happened? Dagon has fallen. There's a picture, it points a picture of our mind that, that their false god is now kneeling at the feet of the real god. So what do they do? They prop him back up. By the way, if any other god in your life is God besides Jesus, you better get really good at being in the propping up business. But I can tell you, our world is, is doing its very best to talk you into become a propping up Prop up people, prop up thought processes, prop up other gods, prop up all this stuff. So they kept propping up Dagon, but he kept falling down until eventually he shattered. And they said, get this, get the real God out of here. They put the Ark of the Covenant on a cart and they sent it out of their land because they wanted their God to be able to stand. Here's the thing, your God will never stand when you become a true worshiper of the God, Jesus Christ. Amen. There's this, there's this thought process in our world today. Can't Christianity and can't true worship of Jesus, can't it just coexist with other theologies and other religions and friends of mine? It cannot exist. Why? Because every knee is going to bow at the feet of Jesus. But friends, the hardest knee to get to bow at the feet of Jesus and not out there somewhere is right here. It's right here. So I have to decide I'm going to worship the king. I'm going to worship him. There's an old saying that goes like this. He's either the Lord of all my life or he's not the Lord of any of my life. That's what it means to worship the Lord. All the kingdoms of my heart have to bow to him. Number two, how can I truly bring worship that's fit for a king that declares that he is the king? Number two, it has to be a personal endeavor. You know, it, it was the... It was the ritual, the habit, the cultural expectation that if a king was born, that other kingdoms and other rulers would, they would send someone in their stead to give gifts to honor that king. And they could basically, that you would show them how much you saw the, thought of them by how much gifts you presented. You could see this happening when, when, when Samuel, I'm sorry, when Solomon takes the throne from David. You can see all these envoys of people that come and celebrate the coronation of King Solomon. That's what, that's what these wise men are doing. They're coming to, to give a gift that says, we believe that you are the king. But they didn't hire it out. They didn't send someone else, they came themselves. Did you know you can't hire out your worship to the Lord? You can't live off your parents' worship. You can't live off your grandparents' worship. You can't live off the fact you live in a certain country or come from a certain background. Worship of the Lord, it has to be a personal matter. So they gave the gifts to them, to the Lord themselves. Well, what does it look for me? What does it look like for me to worship God myself? I mean, what do I have to give him? What do I have to come up with? What's, what's, what's he after? Well, let's ask Jesus himself what it is he's after. And Matthew said it like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. 
That's what personal worship it requires. I'm not going to have these compartmental kingdoms that I'm going to worship above you. I'm not going to worship people above you, things above you. I'm going to worship with all my heart. I'm not giving Jesus. My worship to you is not a part of my life. It's not something I do one day a week. I read a stat a few years ago that said the average American is comfortable giving 65 minutes of their week to the Lord. And in this article, they even talked about how people responded. They said, I'll give my 65 minutes by coming to church. I'll give my 65 minutes by serving on a, on a Wednesday. I'll give my 65 minutes by, by serving on a Saturday. I'll give my 65 minutes by reading the Bible and praying near the week. But to give above 65 minutes was way too much. And I just wonder, who in this room does that sound like? That they're loving God with all their heart, all their soul. All their mind. When do we dumb down our relationship with God to such a moment that it's about partial heart, partial soul, partial mind? You know, I remember when Megan and I got married, we kept a desk that was mine before we got married. And we kept it into our marriage. And, and of course, it had junk in it because I'm a guy and I keep junk. And she was dealing, searching through my junk, probably to make room for some of her um, um, valuable possessions. <laughs> and she came, she came across a photo album. Do you remember the once upon a time when you took pictures? You had to take them to Walmart, and they came out on paper, and you put them in a, in a thing, and you could flip through them. I know this is stuff you've never heard of before, but for those of us who are ancient, we, this is what we used to do. We didn't have phones. To, my phone at that time was attached to a bag and a cord that you, you know, if you want to take your cell phone with you, you didn't put it in your pocket, you put it in your backpack. Anyway, I had this photo album in my desk, is what I was trying to tell you. And it was photos of me... And my ex-girlfriend. And she found them. All of y'all like, y'all knew I was in trouble the minute I said that. You're helping me preach. Thank you. She found that and she said, what, what are you doing with these? And I was like, well, I just haven't thrown them away yet. Can I tell you, that was the day they got thrown away. She let me know. She let me know there was no room for former love in the house of our present love. Can I tell you, some of you think, oh, I can't believe Sister Megan would be so jealous. Well, she's not the only one. You hear, are you picking up what I'm putting down? Did you know that Exodus says... For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Did you know that God doesn't want you worshiping Him and fill in the blank? As good, as pure, as innocent as it may sound. We love the scripture where it says you can't serve God in money. We say that all the time. And since we don't have any money, we're fine with that one. 
<laughs> but, but the truth is, you can't serve God and anything. You, got, you can't serve God and when you're worshiping Him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. See, God doesn't want to share my devotion with anyone else or anything else. The part that belongs to God, which is my heart, my life, my soul, my mind, the things that belong to Him, they belong to Him. So worship requires me giving all of my have to Him. Number three, worship requires determination. Worship isn't supposed to be easy all the time. Now remember, check out, I know your brain, your brain is going back to music and worship service. Remember, that's not worship. Worship is from when my eyes open in the morning to, my, to the sun goes down at night. Lord, you're worthy of my worship. You're worthy of my praise. Worship requires determination. In Matthew chapter 2, the, the wise men said these words to Herod. A star rose in the east and we started following it. But you know what happened? The star disappeared. How did they wind up at Herod's house anyway? The star disappeared. And these guys could have said, you know, if God wanted us to uh, find this baby... He would have kept that star up there. But he moved the star, so I guess he doesn't want us following him anymore. Let's go home, guys. We get to keep our gold, our frankincense, and our myrrh. And let's... But they didn't. They worshiped God. Pick up what I'm putting down. They worshiped God when his presence was evident, and they continued searching and worshiping God when his presence seemed absent. Now, don't get me wrong. I love it when His presence seems evident, right? And they do too because after they left here, the star came back. And the Bible says, with joy. They were joyful when they saw the star again. But worship requires that, God, I'm going to follow you when I feel you and when I don't feel you. When I see you working and I don't see you working. When you're leading me with this star or when you're, you're just... Telling me to stay on the last path you started me on. The word says you're going to find me. Speaking of Jesus. Speaking of the Lord. You're going to find him when you worship him with all your heart. Number four. Worship motivates us to give our best. How do I, how do I give worship that's fit for a king? How do I, do I live a life that declares he is the king? He's here. I worship him by giving him my best. It says they saw the star, they were filled with joy, they entered the house, they saw the child, the mother, they bow, and, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and they gave him the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh. These wise men did not just re-gift last year's fruitcake when they came to Jesus. By the way, uh, this isn't spiritual, but just... I research stupid stuff sometimes, and I found out that 68% of Americans, they practice re-giving things to others that someone gave to them. So if you've done that, don't feel bad. But that's not what these wise guys did. That's not what the wise, they didn't just give to him 
something that they didn't like, something that didn't fit them. They gave them their best, not leftovers, not extras. They worshiped with their best. And I want to tell you this morning, all of us in this room, all of us in this room, you are a worshiper. Sometimes, sometimes I have been guilty of judging whether someone is a worshiper by whether they have their hands lifted or not lifted. Whether they're in worship, they are, you know, are they mouthing the words or are they just stoic? And sometimes we'll say, oh man, they were really worshiping this morning. But the truth is, all of us in this room are crazy, emphatic worshipers. The only question is, what are we crazy, emphatic worshipers of? That's the only question. All of us worship someone or something. And the way we determine who it is or what it is that we worship is by asking this question, who am I giving my all to? Who am I giving my best to? If I get my best, then guess what? I worship me. If I get all my heart, my mind, and my soul to to me, I'm worshiping me. I'm worshiping me. If, If my wife, if she gets the best, all of me, then I'm worshiping her. If I am giving my kids all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, then guess what? I am worshiping my kids. Most of you know we've got a five-year-old, and she, uh, she came up to me about, uh, I don't know, it's been a month or two ago, and she said, Daddy, I love you. I said, well, I love you the most. She said, I don't love you the most. <laughs> I said, okay. She goes, I worship, I love God the most. And then I love you. Remember that TV show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Are you smarter than a five-year-old? Have you figured out that my love for other people is going to be of no use to them if I don't first love God first? If my hobbies get the best, then guess what? I worship my hobbies. Now remember, I'm not talking about where I put my money, most of my money or most of my time. I understand some of you, you're locked in. A lot of your time is you have no control over. Our time and our money is just a paper trail of where our heart is. And I know in our nativity scene, we see, we usually see three men with three little three little treasures, and we think that these three guys have traveled a million miles. I mean, if you want to come, it might shut me down. We think these three guys have traveled hours, days, probably months to get to Jesus, to to give him these three little trinkets, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But almost every scholar agrees that such a gift would not have behooved these wise, royal guys to travel that far. 
You, you don't travel that far just to give a token. You travel to give a gift. If you remember a few moments ago when we read our scripture, the Bible says that when these men arrived that, that Herod was very troubled as well as the whole city of Jerusalem. Three guys riding in the town with three little presents doesn't get the attention of a whole city. The riches and the royalty represented by these three men was of such prestige and magnitude that when they walked in Jerusalem, a large city of the day, when they, walked, when they came in the town, it got everyone's attention. What are they? Look at this entourage. Look at this convoy. What are they doing here? Who is that for? And so I just say all that to say this. When they arrived where Mary and Joseph were staying, they didn't just give some little thing most, most people believe that at the very least, the chest of gold that was given would have been somewhere in the neighborhood of about 50 pounds. It would probably it cost, at minimum, be valued in today's dollars somewhere around $300,000 at the very least. And that frankincense and myrrh in that day was much more valuable than gold. So when the three wise guys showed up, many believed that they were giving to Jesus somewhere between one and three million dollars. What on earth did Jesus need three million dollars for? Well, they were about to escape into Egypt and they needed some money to live off of for the next three or four years. I think I could live off of that for three or four years. I'm not sure if they did or not. But I think I could. I'm just saying all that to say this. The wise men did not show up to give Jesus a token. They came to give him a treasure. What kind of treasure did they give him? I don't have, I don't, I, Pastor, he promised me without a shadow of a doubt it was a million dollars or three million dollars or 250,000. Nope. I can tell you this. It was a treasure that declared he is the king. It was a treasure that declared he is worth us traveling any distance to announce to the world. He's the king. He's the king. I don't know if, I don't know if, I really, if I'm really worshiping God the way he wants me to. You know, worship never asks, what's this going to cost me? Worship always asks this, what can I give? We can see it in the widow that threw in her two mites. We can see it in the lady who anointed Jesus' feet. Judas thought it was a waste, but hey, look, we could have we fed the poor with this, but it was worship. We can see it in the life of Zacchaeus, who when he had an encounter with Jesus, he said, listen, I give away right now half of what I have, and if I've wronged anyone, I'm going to give them back what I stole from them and give him four times more than that with interest. Worship always asks, God, what can I give to you? You know, Megan and I were talking this week, and she was making a calendar uh, for next year on one of those web pages where you upload your own pictures to, and she just throw. And, and she she told me she said, the more I uploaded pictures in the last twelve months, she's like, the more I just had to recognize the goodness and the faithfulness of God. The more I just had to 
begin to give him worship for how good he's been to us. See, when I look to my past, I see the faithfulness of God. When I look to my future, I see the promises of God, which delivers to me right now a desire to worship him. And if we lose our desire to worship him, I just have to ask you, have you forgotten the fact that he is the king? That every good and perfect gift I have, it comes from him. And every every good and perfect gift I wish to receive, it will also be from him. So this morning, I want to ask you to bow your heads before we pray. And and then we're going to close this morning with a song of the season. That's a worship song. Because I want us to close in, in giving him worship with song today from our hearts. The first question I have to ask you today is, have you committed your life to him? Have you made him the king? Are you giving him all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength? Have you decided, have you declared with your life, he's the king, not me? He's the king, not others. He's the king, not what I can do or... No, no, he's the king. Today you're in the room, say, Pastor, I've never committed my life to Jesus. Or maybe once upon a time you followed him, but other things have crowded out the rightful place of his kingship, his leadership in your life. And today, say, Pastor, I need to put him back on the throne. Maybe you got to take yourself off the throne. Maybe you got to take your your thought processes off the throne. Maybe you got to take people off the throne. But you say, I've I've got to get the right king sitting on the throne of my heart today. If that's you today, would you just lift a hand here quick say, pray for me, Pastor. That's me making that choice today. Amen? Amen? A couple of hands. I want to pray for you in just a minute. But secondly, for every believer in the room today, I want to ask you, are you giving God your best? Are you giving Him your leftovers? Are you loving Him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind? And I just believe, I, I'm just going to say this, I believe that the, the devil is playing with some people's minds right now, and he's told you the last 10 minutes, pastor's been talking about your money, he wants your money, and none of, God doesn't want your money, he wants your heart. He wants your heart. So, so don't, get, don't get wrapped up in the fact that I talked about money in the last 10 minutes. I'm talking about what's the condition of your heart. Are you giving him all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind? Are you just giving him the leftovers? I would challenge you today. Let's live a life that declares with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind that he is the king. He's the king. Would you stand with me all across this room today? And I want to ask everyone as we stand to, to say this prayer out loud with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to earth. I declare right now that you are the king. And that you're the king of kings. You're the king of every earthly king. You're the king of every king I would set up in my heart. Lord, forgive me today when I've served lesser kings. Forgive me when I've sinned. Forgive me when I've failed to give you the worship that you deserve. Cleanse me. Clean my heart. I confess you're the king. I need you to be my Savior, and I want you to be my Lord. Lead me, Jesus, from this day forward, and I will follow, because you're the King. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give the Lord a a hand clap for those who are saying that prayer, maybe for the first time? Amen. And I've asked Megan, I know I've gone a few minutes late, but let's go a few minutes longer. Would you join us? Let's, let's, Let's worship Him.
before we leave today. Would you join me as she leads us in worship this morning of this song? in the morning so we lay down in the evening that our lives be lives of worship for we know that it's in you that we live and we move and we have our being so let everything that that we say we do the attitudes of our heart and the words of our mouth be pleasing to you let it all be a heart of worship because you deserve all of our hearts, all of our soul, all of our mind. I pray this Christmas season, God, our lives declare that you are the King. So God, I pray you'll bless this people this morning. Lord, bless them and keep them. Let your face shine upon them. Give them peace and joy both now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you're a first-time guest today, I'd love to greet you and meet you. I'll be in the Connect desk in just a minute. I'd love to put a gift in your hand if you're a first-time guest. Merry Christmas. Have a wonderful afternoon. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day, and God bless.